Welcome to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. I am your host, Delenia Agresta, and I am a weight-inclusive registered dietitian. I started this podcast to help people like you heal their relationship with their bodies and food. Each week, there is a new episode that talks about different topics surrounding eating disorder recovery, diet culture, weight inclusivity, and more. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Hello friends, welcome back to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. This is your host Eleni and as always I'm so grateful to have you here with me today. Happy day 7 of the 12 days of Christmas. I cannot believe how this month is flying by. I always say this every year but I feel like this year it's flying by even quicker. Um, But I have been really loving this holiday special. You guys have been loving it and I really appreciate all of your DMs, your emails, everything kind and thoughtful that you guys are saying it's really it makes what I do even more rewarding to hear from you guys so thank you today we have on a good friend of mine her name is Zariel Gruyon she is also a dietitian and we talk a little bit about her history of becoming a dietitian her experience and then we get into some boundary setting around the holidays around food and conversations like that so I hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's get into it Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I'm so excited. We've been meaning to record for a while and we are going to be recording more episodes in the future um, for a special thing that I know that you're definitely working on for content. So I'm excited to bring that out in the new year. Um, But give the listeners maybe a little bit of a background about you, how you became a dietitian. Just give us some uh, info about you. Yeah, I'd love to jump into some of that and stay tuned for all of that cool stuff we're going to be working on. Um, I think to the easiest story of how I became a dietitian is that I went to school to be a dentist and didn't want to be a dentist after I finished my degree. And I was like, this is definitely what I don't want to do. So my parents gave me some time to like think it through. Um, I worked on a farm for like a year and did some like nutrition education and curriculum development while I was working on the farm. And then in that job, I learned of like the people that were coming to volunteer on the farm and they were like, oh yeah, I'm in school for nutrition. I'm using this for like credits. Cause I'm going to be a dietitian. I was like, I don't know what that is. So I Googled it, did research and then found out what that career path was and found out what the steps were to become a dietitian. So I went back to my parents and I was like, Hey, I think I want to do this thing. And they were like, okay, just don't be one of those people going to school for the rest of your life. (laughs) If you're going to do this, stick to it. So thankfully (laughs) with their support, I went back to school, um, and got a second bachelor's in nutrition to become a dietitian. Um, that was back in like 20, 13, I graduated from Montclair and then took a while to match into a program for my DI. I like didn't match the first or second time, but I was waitlisted and I was the first waitlist pick for my second time. And that's how I got in um, to the program that I went to, which was CUNY School of Public Health. And yeah, that was like 2019. I always, when I talk about this story, I always talk about how 
the day that I got the like notification for the wait list was a day I was having a meeting with my boss for my promotion. And I had to like decide like, do I want to be mm-hmm. a dietitian or do I want my job and more money? And I yeah. obviously chose the dietitian route. Um, and then that began began my journey of like actually working in the field that I wanted. I passed my test after the third time and started working in June 2020 in the middle of COVID and like went straight to work, like bringing food to people and doing one-on-one counseling um, through that uh, traumatic time of our lives. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now I'm here working through virtually through through the state of Texas. Yes, you're, you're a new recent mover. <laughs> you left yes. the beauty of New York for, you know, for opportunity for, you know, your family, which is great. And I think it's, I think it's so cool because you, the way that you fell into nutrition was like through the, that's like the most random story I've ever heard, but that's amazing. Like, can you tell us more about the farm? Cause I'm like really interested to know about this. That's so cool. Yeah. I always said growing up that I wanted a farm and my dad was like, no, you don't. That's a lot of work. And I was like, well, I want to see how much work it is. So it was like a like a urban agricultural internship. So it was unpaid work. Um, and that's like a privilege that I had, like my living with my parents and them allowing me to figure it out. Thanks. Thanks to you guys. Um, so I did that for like a year learning about agriculture, farming. And so the, the company was, uh, the nonprofit was city green. And Mm. what they did was like grow food and then sell it to, marginalized communities and then also just regular communities um they did a lot of work with like accepting ebt so they could help increase access to fresh foods mm-hmm. so i worked i did the internship for the year then i moved up and like became an employee through americorps being sta- stationed there um and i did that for like 2 years while i worked as a nutrition student or while i went to school for nutrition And then when it was time for me to leave there, I like was leaving to New York to do like my New York job, (laughs) but it was a really fun time. I know a lot, not like super a lot, but I know a lot about farming thanks to them. And I could like survive if I had to like growing my own stuff. So if there was like an apocalypse, like you'd probably survive. Yeah. As long as I had seeds and water, I'll be all right. That's so cool. And that's like a whole part of like this space this like profession that a lot of people don't know about like they think that our job is to tell people to eat fruits and vegetables and like yes it's like part of what we do mm-hmm. but like there's a there's so much more that goes into it yeah and it allows you to have like jobs in all kinds of sectors because ideally they could have like had an rd position for that job for that company right like that helped do curriculum development and one-on-one counseling that like that could have been a cool addition yeah um but there's space for us anywhere that food is involved from the farm to the plate to (laughs) research yeah everywhere no it's so true that's so exciting so you bring like such a cool background into it and you have like an appreciation for like food from where it comes from like you're you have experience with that which I love um and so now you are doing remote private practice and 
how would you say that that was different? Like, was that always what your goal was to do? I think initially, like all us baby RDs, our goal is to go to private practice. Uh, like we're taught that clinical is not always the girl that we want to be working at. Some people love clinical and I love that for them, but I know that that wasn't for me. And like the next step after leaving your job is always generally Mm. private practice. So I knew that that was going to be my next step. Will I say that was the goal? I don't know. I don't know what my goal is yet. I'm still a toddler RD. I can't say I'm a baby RD anymore because it's not one year. I'm three years in here and I'm still figuring it out very much. Uh, giving room for me to like do some of the creative stuff that mm-hmm. I enjoy doing while still helping people heal their relationship with dieting mm-hmm. and food. Uh, Cause I know that is part of why I came into this field. So just like being open to all of the possibilities for sure. I love that so much. And like years ago, like this space that we're in now didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so it's crazy because I've seen like the shift. Um, I myself also worked for like three and a half years in clinical. And then I was like, okay, this is, I've done my deed. I've got my experience. Now it's time. Um, but, but really in terms of like this type of work with healing a relationship with food, the only thing that we were taught were eating disorders, like full mm-hmm. on, like you're in a hospital and you're very sick, which those are very serious and it's prevalent. Um, but the vast majority of people are on the less severe end of that spectrum where it's not fully impacting their body and, you know, they don't, they're not having electrolyte imbalance and things like that. Um, so I just think it's, it's so cool to have seen the, the shift that, it, that it has made especially over the past, like I would say like three years. Yeah. I think social media really played a game and making all of that information be so accessible so yeah. that people are able to identify their patterns of disordered eating. Yeah. Uh, because like you're saying, if it's not like physical signs mm-hmm. that your doctor is going to pick up, it can go on forever without you ever even realizing like, oh, this is actually not normal per se. Um, so yeah, I think social media has really shaped the path for us all to be exploring all of these different spaces to make sure that we're living authentically and healthy in our bodies. I love that. That's so true. And so would you say that your family like gets what you do? Because a lot of my family doesn't understand what I do. And I always love to ask other RDs this. <laughs> Well, as a first-generation Latina, no, they do not understand anything that I do. Uh, it's I know the funny story is when I was trying to like do blogging, yeah, before, and I was like sharing my stories and like writing it, and my dad was like, "I don't understand why you have to tell everybody your business." And I'm like, <laughs> "That's literally the point." The point. But it's like conceptually such a different thing for them to understand. And then to make money off of that, it's like, what are you talking about? Um, They get it a little bit when I get to do like sponsored posts and I like take pictures of food. I really love doing that. They kind of get it there and they're Mm -hmm. like learning to be like, oh, that was great. But like when when I... 
when I'm like telling them like, yeah, I don't tell people like what to eat or I don't like do diets. They're like, like, it's just a hard concept to wrap their heads around. I think so. And I think that's also such an important, like you bring such an important viewpoint and experience to this space. Cause as I've said on this podcast a million times, the nutrition and wellness space is very white. It's way too Mm -hmm. white and it has like corrupted what people think is healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you showing like your, your cultural cuisine and like you do a lot of cooking videos, which I love. And I'm like, this is so fancy. Like I'm obsessed. And it's like, I don't even know how to do this, but this is really fun. Um, I think it's bringing a voice to people that don't normally hear about their, you know, their cultural cuisine. Um, and because when you think of like, quote unquote, healthy, it's like avocado toast, kale smoothies, like, you know, but it leaves out so many other like really healthy and vibrant and like tasty food options um and like you're bringing that back to the masses on social media which is so cool yeah it's really validating when I'm working with my clients and they're like like you know our cultural foods are healthy so I don't have to hear that language Mm -hmm. like your foods are bad or that they shouldn't be eating their foods because of the like whitewashing of nutrition information and the way dietitians have been educated to like learn about those cultural foods but learn about why they're bad Mm -hmm. um so it's really nice to be able to like do that. And there's a lot of great dietitians that do that on their like own, like Krista is coming up for me, Latina dietitian, I believe her handle is. She's like, is great with food history and nutrition. Oh, I, love that. I love that. I love her page. Um, so yeah, I think it's really fun to be able to learn about our history in that sense and then educate others on it. I think that's so important. And in, in my nutrition education we took a like that cultural competency class yeah we took international something in undergrad and then in my master's level course as well so I'll give them that they like gave us something (laughs) um but and and it wasn't taught by a white professor which is a good thing because I always you know, it's very weird when it's not someone who can speak to the validity and the experience. But I remember when I was working, um, I used to see patients out in like outpatient physicians offices. And it was like in an area that um, was very like culturally diverse. And so when I had patients that came from like a Latin or Hispanic background and they were like, I know white rice is bad. And I'm like, no, like, why would you say that? And it's because it's, it's perpetuated by, I don't know who came up with it, but I was like, the only difference is, is one gram of fiber, which I really don't care about. (laughs) And, you know, now it's something that's, that's spoken about. I know you've spoken about a lot of other um, dietitians in this space as well, but I just, I don't know where it came from, but it always made me sad where people were like afraid to tell me what they were eating. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, like I'm cool. Like I want you to eat everything that, you know, comes from like your homeland and like what you love to cook and things like that. And I think that was always like, it made me sad that people felt that way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes, uh, who knows who made that rule up, but it comes from the doctors specifically when they're just making generalized recommendations on what people should be eating based on a condition that they're diagnosing their clients with. So when they um, do come to see us, there's already this like belief of like all these things. And then it's like, I feel like our job is like, don't listen to what they're saying. Let's like figure out what's going on on your individual eating patterns Mm -hmm. and lifestyle. Like what's your picture so that we can help make it clearer and like help you feel better in your body. Um, So yeah, I feel like that messaging that is so pervasive is such a strong thing that we have to like work to undo. Yeah, and you see that a lot with like, quote unquote health influencers on like TikTok where they're like here's my brown rice this and like listen if you like brown rice be my guest go ahead and eat it there's a time and a place but it's just I think it's just like a huge problem in this space and like we have to continue to do better and and really advocate and like bring different voices to the table I agree. I agree. And I'm grateful for like diversified dietetics that helps it be more accessible to find other dietitians of color and help all dietitians learn how to be better dietitians in this space. I'm, I'm always grateful and advocating for everybody to learn about diversified dietetics. Of course that it's, I I don't know what year they started, but they, they, they're, I think a newer. Yeah. Because again, like 2013, 2014, 2015, it was, it was lonely over here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, I think over the past few years, connecting with you and so many other dietitians that I probably wouldn't have like encountered in real life. It's just, I'm always so grateful and I'm grateful to like have you guys come on here and like share your story and your experience and talk about what you do. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, so, okay, so now this is the holiday episode, <laughs> which I'm so happy that that you're you're on for this because this is, you know, my favorite time of the year. Um, and I I do this like 12 days of Christmas. It's kind of like an honor of my grandmother. She used to um she's no longer with us. She passed away um right after my dietetic internship. Oh no. Um, it was not fun but it was a tough year yeah and she was like why aren't you going to medical school (laughs) (laughs) that's literally what she was like no I'm like no this is what I'm supposed to be doing um but during the hot during Christmas she would um give my sister and I these like Christmas boxes every night for the 12 nights of Christmas and it was like this tin box and she would put like cookies and like a little present prize in it and like every night we after we would like bathe we would sit by the Christmas tree and we would like get our Christmas boxes. And it was like the highlight of like, I felt like it was hyping up Christmas so much. Um, And she did that for many years until when she let us pick out our presents. And then she said that we were too expensive. So like no more. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like my way of like honoring her. And like, you know, during this time of year, diet culture and all this disordered minutia is so prevalent and many people during this time of year struggle so much. So I wanted to like give back useful, helpful information for people to like kind of combat that um, 
that type of negativity, which is why I'm excited about this episode because we are going to talk about setting boundaries, um, which I'm happy that you volunteered this topic because it's a great topic. (laughs) Um, I mean, we were talking about like the way people don't enjoy coming together for the holidays because of the fear of like comments. So I think it's helpful to navigate that space before you get to the gathering. And before even we were recording and we talked about a whole bunch of different things, not even related to this podcast, (laughs) but, but you mentioned that like you're seeing clients right now and they are like scared to like go to family gatherings for many different reasons. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I think speaking from a Latino lens, but I'm sure it is not exclusive to growing up Latino um, or Latine. It's very much commenting on our bodies in a, in a way that it's like our bodies are not necessarily good enough in any state that they are in, whether we're too skinny, too fat, too curvy. It's like we're always being uh, or that is always a point of conversation when it comes to any gathering. Um, And when we're thinking of the holidays where we have spent so much time apart from each other in some cases, those conversations can be a little bit more aggressive because we haven't seen each other in a long time. So the way that we changed in the year can be more of like a thing where people want to comment on. So I feel like when I've been talking to my clients this month, gearing up for the holiday season. There's a lot of conversation around like, how can I prepare myself for that? What can I do? How can I avoid it? Um, can Should I not go <laughs> to the holidays? Which is a very sad thing to hear for me because I love the holidays. Um, it's one of my favorite times of the years, specifically because of the food Mm. but I can understand how those comments or just the thought of those comments can be very uncomforting if you think back to like when you were growing up and stuff or just recently as like a human did you experience this yourself personally oh hell yeah yeah my dad's a big big very much a like watching what everybody eats so he can make a comment the food police oh very much (laughs) proudly it's and it's definitely not I mean it's something that I I mean the size of my body was a a point of conversation since I was six years old and like everyone felt like it was necessary to talk about it up until later on in life and I'm sure they just didn't say it to my face they were telling they were talking shit behind my back um but yeah I, I don't know if it's it's you know, if it's like older generations that like, or, you know, recently immigrated generations where like, I find it so funny because my grandmother would always be like either, why aren't you eating? You aren't eating enough. And then why are you fat? Like all those things at once. And I'm like, this is kind of confusing. Like she wouldn't say it in those words, but that's what it was. Um, And it definitely like made... I mean, I saw her all year, but it made me definitely dread holidays for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I would feel guilty about eating things. That's really sad. Yeah, for sure. It was terrible. I mean, thankfully now, like for many years now, I've been in like a better place and I haven't experienced that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I always felt like there was like something wrong with me when it really was like society that was wrong about those types of things. Yeah, I feel like those comments and that belief under the umbrella of diet culture do a really great job of disconnecting us from ourselves. So then when we do enter this space of adulthood and we're trying to rebuild that relationship with food, it's like, how do you even listen or trust yourself? It becomes very disorienting. For me personally, I never knew how to listen to my body or trust Mm -hmm. my body because I was taught from as long as I could remember that I couldn't and that there was something wrong with me. And so to be in a place now where I have a healthy relationship with food and I feel very like in control, not because I'm controlling what I'm eating, but I never feel that like out of control feeling that I used to feel around holidays maybe in particular because that was like when I would quote unquote like allow myself to like indulge like oh it's Christmas so whatever or oh it's Thanksgiving so whatever now it's like you know I I could have chocolate any day of the year and like it's no biggie and Mm -hmm. so to get to that place is very I'm very grateful to be in this place but it like didn't happen overnight it takes like a long time Yes, it takes a really long time. And I feel like it's important to communicate that to the people that we work with, because it feels like when we're looking through social media, and seeing all those dietitians explain the concepts, it feels like it should be easy. But it's not, it's a lot of work. Um, And everybody's journey is unique and individual. So it's really about like, taking the time to trust yourself again. 100% having like sorry to cut you off and having like the the privileges to be able to right because if we're thinking about how new like little and subtle the way our body communicates if we're adding all of the stressors of surviving in life that can make it even harder to be able to trust ourselves that is very true I feel like we could do a whole episode just on that um, so we'll just add, I'll add that onto the list. Um, Get on. <laughs> um, but so in, in particular boundaries, and I have a feeling that this year is going to be even harder because of the Ozempi craze, because mm. now everyone and their mother talks about it, knows someone who's on it, or their doctors are pushing it on people. And I think it makes it that much harder for people because they'll be like, Like, you'll be, like, at Thanksgiving eating, like, a dinner roll. And someone will be, like, well, Frank from work went on it. And he lost 7,000 pounds since last year. You know, like, some ridiculous thing. And it's, like, well, first of all, does that sound healthy? Now, um, (laughs) rapid weight loss is never beneficial for anyone. Um, But I just think it's going to be even tougher. So so how do you think? Because, like, sometimes my approach to, like, how to assert boundaries, I, like, try to make like light of it in a way because it's like hard when people take these topics so seriously and then like when you kind of call people out on them they get offended and now you're like oh like I'm not even trying to have this conversation right now Mm -hmm. I think there's a bunch of ways to approach setting boundaries um for some people I've been talking to my clients of like talking to their family beforehand the event 
either for themselves or for their kids to set the tone. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to talk about Ozempi. Yes. I don't want to talk about diet. I don't want you to like comment on what I'm eating or my child is eating, like having that conversation, finding like the cousin or the tia that's going to be like supporting you mm-hmm. in real time um, is important. But like starting the line of communication is the most important in whichever way you tackle it. I think after you communicate like what you want the boundary to be, communicating what's going to happen, the boundary is crossed. I yeah. feel like that's the scarier part, right? Because it's yeah. like, like, am like I, I said, really leave? It. yeah, like, am I really going to leave? If I'm, Am I really going to take my meal at another part of the house? Like what scene am I going to make? Yeah. Am I really going to do that? So setting the the boundary to be realistic to you and your yeah, personality. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Because <laughs> I like one year was joking and I was like, we should all get water guns. And then anytime someone says we could just like squirt them with a water gun. And <laughs> I thought it would be fun. And, and, you know, in practice, it might be a little bit difficult. But I think that that's a good point. Like spending the time ahead of time thinking about like, maybe first like sending out a text message or an email like hey guys like I'm working on healing my relationship with food I would prefer not to talk about these topics like please like don't bring these things up or whatever um Mm -hmm. could be helpful as well like just like a blanket statement Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's really helpful because it it helps to see where people are like are they accepting are they like giving you a hard time it lets you see where everybody's at and how much energy you need to be exerting. So what would you say? So what what do you think is like a realistic and fair boundary crossing response? Since I'm la dramatica and <laughs> sensitive one in the house, in my family, I mean, for me, it's like getting angry. <laughs> And so yeah. like making a comment and being angry, that's not for everyone, right? Yeah. For some people, it's like laugh it off. Like you say, for some people, it's like, I know that there's like that good one of like repeating back what they have said to like give them a second to. Like, so what I think I hear you saying is blah, 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 blah. Exactly. And like put it back in their plate. Is that true? Yes. That is a good uh, one too. That's a good one. I and my therapist gave me one that I tried a few times with my dad, but it wasn't like the best of like um like are you gonna eat that uh, like another serving? And it's like saying like yes, I am gonna eat that serving and like taking the power back. That's how she kind of yeah. communicated it to me. And I did try it a few times. It felt a little weird, yeah. but I, I'm more like a either be quiet or snap kind of gal <laughs> so <laughs> I've only out. known you to be so nice and like sweet so I'm like a little scared for them now <laughs> but you know I like that you know everyone everyone like for me like making a joke about things or brushing it off is very much so like part of my problem like not wanting to take up space and like enforcing boundaries and I think it feels like you said, like, it could feel like weird doing mm-hmm. it because if you've gone like your whole life 
not doing it. It's like foreign to us, like as if we're speaking a different language. But I think it's important. And, and you know, maybe the first few times that you've enforced a boundary, it didn't have an effect. But I think with repetition, maybe the other person will at least hear what you're saying. Because I think that's a, that like we can say these things, but whether the other people like hear and understand what we're saying, you know, we can we can't control their people, unfortunately. We can't, but we 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 can't and people that want to honor you and respect you will respect your boundaries right they will get it and it takes you like holding them and like uh, following through right so if you said like if you guys talk about it I'm gonna leave like you have to leave right like you have to follow through with whatever you stated the realistic boundary was going to be for you or the consequence for not following the boundary then the more you're able to practice that the more people will take it seriously I agree I as as you know I don't have children yet but I think that is the only that is the only line that if someone crossed I would leave is for like my unborn children Mm -hmm. because I guess I've been used to being beat up so much by everyone (laughs) that I'm like yeah whatever and it doesn't even it doesn't really bother me I think it's more of an annoyance than bothering because I know that's their own internalized struggle with their fat bias and other stuff like that where like I'm fine how I am and I'm content with who I am and I you know I'm I'm feeling good about that where for many years before I was always like no there's something wrong with me blah 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 like all that other stuff but I think like for my kids I would if someone kept crossing that line I would leave I think so too I feel like you're right like we've built that confidence in ourselves that it doesn't it does bother us but not to the point where we need to make that kind of where I remember like I would purposely not put a lot of food on my plate mm-hmm. or like be very um careful with my choices because I knew people were looking at my plate yeah I would like wait for my dad to go to bed to like have more food after the holidays because I knew that there would just be comments yeah and that's not healthy right if we're thinking no. about ourselves and the people that are around us like we shouldn't feel scared essentially to enjoy food I mean it's not like we're doing crack at the dinner (laughs) table like that's something we should be concerned about doing but you know putting food in our bodies shouldn't be a problem and I was talking about this with another recording um I forgot who it was but I was saying how like I remember my first actual binge was on Thanksgiving after the fact Mm -hmm. And I remember very clearly and 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 even before that, my personal memories of a lot of holidays were based around food, like whether I overate and felt really sick after and then I was like in the bathroom because I my stomach was upset or thinking that I was, quote unquote, being good and like didn't, you know, eat dessert or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's like sad. Like, I don't want people to have to go through that. Like, we, we, we're we very blessed and fortunate to live, 
here where you know we're not in a war-torn country you know like Mm -hmm. we're just having a holiday dinner and like the least interesting thing is whether or not I'm having two dinner rolls or extra this or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's something that I always not advocate for but bring up like there are so many other things that we can be talking about other than my my body my cousin's body my aunt's body like the body is the least important part of this gathering (laughs) it's the family and being here and I mean you're not the turkey being eaten (laughs) (laughs) but no it's true and like I mean I remember like when my grandmother was alive and my aunt was alive and we were all together we would be sitting having Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner or whatever, and they would be talking about diets. Oh, did you That's hear something. Oprah did this or whatever? And I'm like sitting there like even before I was a dietitian and or in this space, I was like, this is like very weird. Like, this is all we have to talk about. Bizarre. <laughs> Bizarre nonsense. Like, it's insane. It is insane. And it's it- it also like takes up so much of your brain capacity. Yeah. Like when we're always thinking about food in that context or dieting, like there's just so much more amazing things that we could be focusing our energy on. Like our dogs. Not so much tuna, but yes. <laughs> I still love tuna. And I think her and Penelope would be really good friends. Penelope needs someone to push her around because <laughs> she's usually the alpha she needs someone she needs a dog to push her around soon is unfortunately not a pushy dog <laughs> um so yeah so I think it's I think it's important to just really assess your family situation or friend situation or wherever you're going send a text ahead of time send an email whatever you feel more comfortable or a Facebook message or whatever if your family's using Facebook um, something like that, just very basic, like, Hey, I'm working on healing my relationship with food. Um, I really prefer you not to comment on X, Y, and Z. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I also find like sending like a written message is easier than like face to face or like calling on the phone. Um, and so if they have any questions, you could say like, if you have any questions, like send me a message back and we can talk about it. But I really like I'm excited to see everyone and just want to have a good holiday and not be worried about this or something like that. Yeah, I think that definitely sets the tone and lets you assess where everybody's at. And being mindful that some Thea is going to be calling another Thea like, are you seeing what this girl is saying? Like being prepared for other people reacting in non in ways that you don't necessarily favor. And sometimes um, with clients who who I have troubleshoot, um, like, okay, if they're talking about something that ha- doesn't have to do with you, but let's say they're talking about a topic that feels uncomfortable, you can always, like, pick up your plate and excuse yourself or get up from the table or wherever you're sitting and go to a different room or even go outside and get some fresh air and give yourself a little bit of time and then revisit it because it could be hard mm-hmm. to um I guess distance yourself from that stuff when maybe you're new in this recovery space or healing your relationship with food space um and it becomes easier as time goes on and as you get further on into your recovery 
or you're healing a relationship with food. Um, but it's always more towards the beginning that it's more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely in the beginning. That was a dog hair in my mouth. And I just picked it up because <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> you could see we're very fancy here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also like flashbacking to like, you know, I grew up in, in the tri-state area and like going to visit family that didn't live in houses. So we had an apartment. So it was like a tight space. Yeah. So like being in that tight space oh. and setting a boundary is harder, right? Because we yeah. we're you're gonna go to another bedroom, hopefully, if they're yeah, like letting the you in the bedroom for that the bathroom. Yeah, I could see that like a, as a quick, like get a catch a quick breath yeah. and then coming in. But taking those like quick seconds to like reset somewhere, even though we're all like piled up on each other um in those city apartments is really important when you can't do like an extreme version yeah. of the consequences I agree I think that those are great points and good tips and I'm sure we you know didn't cover everything that you can but I think it's like a good foundational basis um yeah I think um if people want to learn more there's that really good book set boundaries found set boundaries find peace by we'll Nedra Twab. That we'll link it in like the show notes. Gold. So good. Um, are there any other additions to this conversation that you feel like we didn't discuss? I think I hope that everyone is able to just feel comfortable and enjoy the holidays, um, giving themselves grace because mm. we are surviving through a lot of things. Um so centering like love and togetherness and community is mm -hmm. important right now and always, but especially no, right now. Of course. And I mean, for some people, this might be like the first year that they're getting back together with their families because mm -hmm. of the Rona for mm -hmm. a few years, you know, it was maybe difficult for some people for health reasons or, and not that the Rona people aren't still getting it, but you know, it's not on the apocalyptic level that it, it potentially was um before even though I got it last year and that was fun. yeah it's definitely still out here but people feel a little bit more comfortable like yeah. we were living in fear those I was terrified to go anywhere without a mask it was mm -hmm. I had terrible like agoraphobia as well yeah I mean I don't like time. I don't like being in crowds anyway, but like definitely during the past few years, it was tough for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to go on a rant because I've already been on a few rants on this episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for some people and like, you know, there may have been weight changes. So like always know, like commenting on anyone's body is not necessary. You know, I think my response would be like, oh my God, you're still alive. So happy to see you. <laughs> See, I wish I could be that witty. My brain doesn't think that fast. I That's could, why I, I could text I, it to you. <laughs> I mean, thanks. <laughs> we're gonna be alone. Yeah. So I don't have any of that going on this good, year. Good. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, and so would you like to share with us like maybe um some like favorite holiday traditions or memories that you have? It could be recent, it could be from your childhood. 
Yeah, I would love to. I think I have so many because my family hosted most of the gatherings. Uh, Thanksgiving, obviously, is my favorite because it's like the food-centered holiday. Um, So my favorite memories would have to just be around cooking with my mom. My aunts would come over and we would all cook together, like stress in the kitchen and all of the houses that we have lived in or have hosted in. That would be like the fun time because it was always like music, dancing, um, then like staying up so late, like finishing up the pastelitos or like the last bit with the pastelón, like all these little things. It was just a really nice time to spend together the day before. That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. I miss That's it. so much. Are there like different foods that you had like for Thanksgiving compared to other holidays? My mom was literally on the phone asking me if I'm going to make any of the Dominican food this year. <laughs> She's like, are you going to make a con guandules? And I'm like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah, we ate. My family is Dominican, but we had a lot of American influence mm. and African-American influence, like Southern influence when my aunts would come over. My aunt, the Iris would come over. So we had a mixture, but for Dominican food that we would have is definitely pastelitos, not empanadas, pastelitos. Um, we would have pastelón, which is like a layered plantain dish with meat mm. in the middle. So good. Um, potato salad. My late aunt, Titi Alming, would make arepas, which would just like a, not like a Colombian arepa. It was more like a cake, like a corn cake mm. thing. That was really good. Um, and then arroz con guandules, pretty much. But we would embrace some of like the American, quote unquote, oh, American yeah. things. My family is kind of like that as well, like where we had like Greek stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, but then they would still do like a turkey. Yeah. But like we never did. So like we're, we weren't fully like American, quote unquote. Like we never had like green bean casserole or anything no. like that. Like we just had like a salad or like vegetables or something. So I'm I'm always very interested. I've still, I've never had green bean casserole. I know people no. love it, but I'm just used to like having more like lemon potatoes or my aunt would always make pastizo which was kind of like a lasagna type thing Mm. it's like like noodles and then like ground beef and then on top it was like a bechamel sauce and you put in the oven you bake and it gets crispy on top my eyes are growing by the second that sounds so good (laughs) she's gonna she my my nuna my godmother she makes it the best and so I'm like you have to teach me because no one has recipes so I need to like have her make it and then like I'll measure out don't even measure out what I've been doing is like having them record a voice note of explaining it how to make it anything like literally any elder in my family if they have like a signature dish I'm like can you send me a voice note of how to make this because they're getting old and they don't be telling us nothing so at least we have like (laughs) the the auditory guidance no that's actually smart before my grandmother died we have this thing i'm sure you've heard of like spinach pie spanakopita Mm -hmm. from where i'm from up north in greece we have pita tiropita so it's like a cheese pie i've heard of this 
but we make it with sauerkraut and feta and I know that sounds so weird but it's honestly the best thing in the world and before she passed away it was kind of like we knew like obviously we knew that things weren't going well she had cancer but she like got all the ingredients and like we like watched her make it and then we would like weigh out like whatever it was because she's like we don't have recipes we have it up here and that's how like their mom taught them um so yeah but I think like I think of those foods and like we always had that stuff at Thanksgiving too um so I think that's so cool though I love that and like I mean we never my family like we were we were a small family but like Mm -hmm. it was never that jolly it was like my grandmother was like like an army instructor yelling at us to like do this do that okay get out of the kitchen so your experience seems like a lot more um fun (laughs) it was a lot of fun we would do if you go on my highlights I think under the mommy cooking tab like you will see like it was just a like a reality show for that oh, weekend. That's so fun. I'm, gonna I'm just like recording everything and like everyone's having a good time. Thanksgiving oh, was lit in my house. That's so nice. I love that. And mm. now you're going to make new memories. Yeah, definitely new. <laughs> no diet talk at all ever. We should just get t-shirts and wear them and just like point to the shirt. Like instead of even talking, we could just point to the shirt. We could. I can make it. We should have we should have done that. I didn't think of it. Maybe next year we'll do it. If if the world's still in existence, we don't know what's gonna happen. Um clearly I'm a doomsday type. Yeah, person. you are. <laughs> <laughs> um thank you so much for coming on and sharing this holiday special with us. Um, can you shout out your socials and then we'll also um, include them in the show notes so people can go and follow you you're like on many different platforms um, so please let everyone know where they can find you thank you for having me it's been a pleasure to be chatting with you um, everyone can find me at love your cheat shows everywhere on every platform I don't like try to snag my name so anything that you do have I probably have my name there um, to work with me one-on-one, I work through your Latina nutritionist and I have the link for that. I'll include it there so that you guys can check but, that yeah. out. Um, yeah, love your chichos everywhere. I have my YouTube that I'm bringing back up these days. I just started a sub stack, which was really fun for me to do. So I'll be experimenting with that. And the only other thing that is new that is like coming back is my drawings. I really want a place to share my drawings. So I'm going to be doing that through Zari G made that, but it's not there yet. That's just like a a loading. Okay. So we'll just like link everything. Um, when in doubt, just let's link it and we'll have your email and all that good stuff in there. I love it. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you guys for listening and I will see you guys for the next episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes of the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast, please consider giving me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. It really helps me in my small business. And thank you so much to Zariel for coming on the podcast. I'm excited to have her on in future episodes. And if you 
haven't already followed her, please go and give her a follow. All of her social media handles and all of her information are listed in the show notes. So please go and check those out. Thank you guys so much and I will see you guys for day eight.